Hello and welcome to Pods Like Us. I'm Martin Quibell, known to my friends as Marv. And this time I am talking with Joe Wisby of the podcast show Beatles Books. Hi, Joe. Thanks for being here. How are you doing? Hi, Marv. Uh, I'm really good. Thank you so much for asking me. My pleasure. I'm looking forward to this. Good. Great. So how were you first introduced to podcast? Well, I was thinking about this before we started talking, and I think it was when I um, I changed jobs about three years ago, and my new job meant I had quite, I could either get a bus or I had quite a long walk to work. Um, and this was 20, about 2016. Uh, so I decided to walk in every day, whether depending, and of course I needed some accompaniment for that walk. Uh, so rather than um, music, I decided to get into podcasts. So uh, I, I kind of scoured through some of my interest, football, music, uh, that kind of stuff, and picked out a few good ones. Uh, and since then, I've not looked back. Great. So um, how did you go from that to deciding to start your own show? Well, it, it came out of um, during the lockdown, the first lockdown we had here in the UK, which was kind of March, April time. I noticed on Instagram that people were people would have whole accounts where they would just post vinyl or cassettes or key rings or something from, from, from like their collection. And, you know, fellow key ring enthusiasts or whatever would follow them and they would discuss. It. So I realised that I had about, well, 400 plus books about the Beatles. So I thought it might be a good idea to just for something to do, essentially to share that with people that were interested in the Beatles. So I started the Instagram account kind of, start of may this year and it, it built up far quicker than i thought i didn't really do it for anyone other than me but it, it turned out that people were interested in seeing the collection and discussing the books uh, and then that led on to publishers kind of getting in touch and saying uh, would you like copies of this book uh, as long as you feature it on your page and you can then uh, maybe put some sales links on there uh, so I was happy to receive, obviously, and some very kind offers of, of some free books from various different publishers. And then a few publishers suggested that there might be a gap in the kind of podcast market for someone to just talk to authors. Uh, and I was like, well, OK, yeah, maybe, you know, I was quite flattered to have been thought of like that. Um, I'd done by this point, I'd done a couple of interviews on other podcasts. I did the Fans on the Run podcast with uh, our friend Ethan. And I'd appeared on on the Two Legs podcast with Tom and Andy. Uh, and I, I felt quite comfortable kind of talking on there. So I thought, why not go forth and reach out to some people and see if there would be any interest in doing a podcast of my own? And luckily for me, it, it there was. That's great. So um, how did this Beatles collection start then? And what's your history with reading? Well, um, I'm an only child, so reading was always a big kind of escape for me. I didn't have dozens of brothers and sisters to kind of run around with. Um, so I've always been a big a big reader. My mum uh, always said that I used to have a book in every room. So I'd have like a, a, a dining room book, a living room book, a bathroom book. And I would, when I went into that room, I would pick up the book and read it. Uh, so when I got into the Beatles, which was when I was about eight, I saw help for the first time uh, and kind of the music got into my heart then. 
uh, and then my kind of natural step was to go after I've been into the record shop to buy the, to obviously buy the music. My next kind of step was get to go into the bookshop and see if there are any books about the Beatles. Uh, and as as we both know, there certainly are. Uh, so yeah, my dad um, kind of took me into the the bookshop and found a nice kind of easy entry level book about the Beatles when I was about nine or ten. Uh, and then since then, uh, obviously my collection's just grown. I just love the fact that I think I picked up quite early, really, when I was about kind of thirteen or fourteen. There was just endless aspects of this story. Um, you know, it's just it in a way it's just those eight years that they're active but obviously there's so many books that have come out about the years before they were famous after they were uh broken up people that have come into contact with them it's just an endless kind of river of books which i um from quite an early age i found that that quite interesting and obviously now it, it, it's it, it's even more interesting yeah i was uh mentioning to ed chen on mm. another show that um, an interesting thing is because of the fact that the Beatles weren't just about music, their influence spread across so many other things like art and politics. And uh, because they were, they were quite literally a huge uh, social um, pop culture icon, really. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's just never kind of, there's just, so many different aspects to them, you know, that you can, you know, I suppose you could say the same about maybe Dylan or Bowie. Um, but with the Beatles, I think there's, you know, there's, there's just so many different ways into the Beatles and things about the Beatles that are endlessly kind of fascinating, you know, like, you know, people that just came into contact with them or people that came into contact with them when they were solo, you know, producers, this, you know, you, know, you, you listen to podcasts where, or, or, interviews about people that have just met Paul say maybe they just had one afternoon with Paul uh, in a studio or in a or in any kind of setting where they had a little bit of contact with him and there's always an interest to that story there's always a little nugget of something that he said or something that he did or you know people that saw the Beatles live or that you know that there's always a, a great kind of story around that and um, which I don't think you get with Certainly with many other artists, you know, music artists, I think there's something about the Beatles that just seems to resonate and, and just there's always just this fascination with them. Maybe it's because they weren't around for that long. They didn't play, in the grand scheme of things, many live shows. They didn't release that many albums. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's just there's a certain fascination to the aspect of the story. And the books, obviously, are a kind of manifestation of that because... Um, you know, I, I, like I was saying, I, I just love all the different angles that, that all these different books kind of approach the Beatles with. Yeah, they uh, they definitely look at different areas of the group. So you will have books that are basically about this is how they came together, this is mm. how they were signed, this is that, this is basically facts, 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 or perceived facts in some cases. Yeah. Um, and you'll also have the, the the ones that try to delve deep into the into the um, relationships and things like that. And then you'll have things where, like you said, it might be somebody who's met with them, and they write a book about their meetings with the people. Like mm. um, I, I don't know. So um, yeah, and then you have people that look at 
areas of the lives like the, like the latest uh, Ken Womack or the yeah. Ken Womack but where he's talking about the last year or so of or the last few years of John Lennon leading up to you know uh, double fantasy so, yeah yeah it's it's so there's so much there for such a short period I mean especially for John yeah um, but saying that for the amount of time that they were together as a group they did so much in those years that it's incredible that you think about the turnaround with albums that yeah. they come out with two a year some for the first couple of years or so, and then the, all the singles were separate to the album, so they've got to write all those songs, record all those songs, go on tour, do all these uh, concerts, sometimes two a day. It's yeah. It's amazing. It's in a way, it's not surprising that they stopped touring. When you look at those books, like the you know, the Mark Lewis and books and others that will say what they were doing every day, there's not a lot of time off. There's not a lot of holiday in there. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's partly because I think, I think they knew they were, especially John and Paul. I think they knew they were kind of on a roll. You know, they, I think they realised this was working. Um, so they, maybe they didn't want to stop. Um, but yeah, you know, you can understand why they decided to, okay, you know, obviously the fact that the concerts weren't really being listened to, certainly by kind of 65, 66, uh, that that would have played into that as well. But it's relentless. And, you know, and then, of course, they do the thing when they stop. Just just, just an example, they stop touring in 66. What do they do? John makes a film. Yeah. Paul, Paul makes a soundtrack album. George goes and, and and holidays, I suppose you could say, in India maybe. But even then, he's learning sitar. He's he's you know he's building up knowledge of something. Um, and Ringo's Ringo. So even in, when they decided to to kind of you know stop, they didn't stop. They went on to other projects. You know the stuff that John and Yoko do in like 69, 70, 71. It, it, you know it's relentless. They're constantly giving in. You know interviews and fit films and recording stuff for both of their albums you know it's the work rate is is something to be admired i think especially looking from you know these days when you know you'll get an album every three years from a band maybe you know it's it's a whole different world it is i mean even looking at a book like uh the fantastic revolution in the head you'll look in there and you'll see the recording dates for that and you'll think wow they were recording for all that length of time and then they'd have like a few days off there to go and do this and then they'll be back doing this that and the other and so you, you only had like a short period of time between say the white album being finished and then oh we'll get back in and we'll do the get back session yeah. that became let it be because that yeah. was, was a really short periods of time well, between all this if you think they got the album out for christmas i think they finished recording it kind of end of october yeah. did a bit of, did some limited promo maybe for it and then When's the first day of the Twickenham? Third of January, fourth of January. Yeah, you know, I mean, they just—it's just. I know part of that was because Ringo had to go and do filming for Magic Christian. But you think, you know, you're the Beatles. You're still far and away the biggest band in the world. Maybe wait until after that, you know. But they—they—they they, they just that wasn't in their kind of brain, was it? They couldn't quite understand that idea. No, no. But like I said to somebody else in another show, I mean, I think it was hardwired into them by them, which which I think carried on into Paul's career for sure, because Paul relentlessly, for well, up until recent years, he was always, always working himself. And yeah. you'd see in, in the, the Wings career where members of Wings would say that 
they were hardly ever out of the recording studio themselves. They were always doing stuff. So that's why you always find all this um, material by Wings, because they'll say, yeah, we went in then and we did this, this and this and this, this and this. And that stayed with Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not the others so much. But even then, up until he retired, John does five albums in five years. You know, George records George records pretty steadily up until Gone Troppo. You know, you're looking at how many albums is there between 70 and 82? You're looking at about six, seven albums. You yeah. know, even even Ringo was quite busy up until, well, I mean, if you think when was Rosa Gravure, that's like 76. Um, you know, and there's another, and before that's another three or four albums. So, yeah, even through the 70s, the other three kept up that work rate. I think maybe that was just all they knew. Just make an album, make an album, you know. That's true. Uh, Ringo, I'd not thought about because you've also got the the fact that Ringo was doing his acting. Yes. And, of course, he was also doing drums for, for different people on different albums and projects that they were doing as well. So he'd work with with Harry Nilsson mm. and he, he was on J- John's stuff and on some of George's and yeah, they, he was, work, he worked a lot as well. Ringo doing the seventies. Ringo really, I think only slows down when the drinking starts properly. You know, yeah. obviously he was, he, he did drink a lot through the seventies, you, you know, as we know, but I think if you look at, you know, through the eighties, uh, that's when, you know, caveman is the last film and that's 81 um, and then I think you might, is it, is it Old Wave? That's an album, I think that's 83. Um, and then there's nothing until like, the early 90s. But, you know, that's, that's still 10, 12 years worth of work. And that was Ringo, let alone the other, th- other three, you know? Yeah, I think he was in a few American miniseries over the 80s as well, was he? Like Princess Daisy? Well, yeah, Princess Daisy, where he plays the bisexual fashion not, designer. Not that I've seen that, but... Yeah. Yeah, well, I've seen his bits in it, yeah. It's not, it's not all that... I wouldn't worry, Marv. No. no, okay, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll avoid that one then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how did you then go from that one book that you got when you were tiny to mm. over 400 books in your collection? I, I think it's just, I, you know, it's, that's a good question. I don't quite know how it happened. I used to, um, as I was saying earlier, before we start recording, I, I worked for HMV, which is a record shop in in the UK, uh, for about 10 years. So, of course, there I was surrounded by other people that loved music. Not necessarily with the Beatles, obviously, but some of them did. But other people, even the customers, the people that still bought records and CDs, were people that loved music. So I think a little bit of that kind of fanned the the flames a bit for my passion because, you know, if if I just worked in somewhere that didn't maybe have surrounded by people that loved music, maybe I wouldn't be so keen. But... You know, I, I I just had this kind of relentless search for knowledge about them, and also because I kind of came of age in the in the nineties, that's when I think a lot of the really great Beatles books kind of come out, like Revolution in the Head, uh, as you mentioned, and others. So I think reading you know really great books like that um, excited me, and I wanted to try and find out you know if I could find other books that were as good as that. You know, that's obviously when you know. The, by the time you get to the late eighties, uh, United, that's when Mark Lewison's you know work starts to become really well known. Uh, so I had the the Beatles Chronicle and the recording sessions. Never got Beatles Live, which is one that I'm I'm very very upset about because that's that's the first book that he wrote in the mid eighties, um, and that's really really hard to get hold of now. So I, that's on my list still. Um, but I think yeah, the fact that there were really great quality Beatles books that were around that that just um 
made me want to find more, you know. Um, and, it, it, you know, this is really, if you think about it, this is sort of pre, pre-internet when I was first getting into them, you know, mid-90s. So there wasn't a lot of other ways to find out about them. You know, I, I could go into the library and, I, you know, I would read um, books that my local library had about the Beatles. And obviously then I wanted to buy them, you know. So it, I think maybe if I was, you know, 10 now, maybe the collection wouldn't be so big in 20 years time because of the internet. But that was the way I remember I had a copy of, um, I don't got any more, uh, the Beatles encyclopedia by Bill Harry, which okay. had this kind of white, I don't know. I don't know if it's, I don't think you can get it anymore. Um, it's not, I think it's in print now. It's a, had a kind of a white, white album esque kind of cover. And it was, it was a really thick book. Uh, and it was, it was, you know, really interesting. And it, it had lots of information about, um, a lot of things right into the Beatles. And that was quite a landmark book for me. Um, but I, I, I haven't got it anymore. Um, but yeah, it's it probably came out about 91, 92, I think. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so it was just a way of finding out information. You know, uh, I love this music that I was, that I would be able to hear. And I wanted to, rather than just settle with the music, um, the, the books were a good way to kind of find out more. And then once I got into my twenties um, and I started earning money, uh, it, it was just a way to, um, you know, satisfy my curiosity still. Uh, and yeah, and I haven't, and obviously, I, as we know, I haven't stopped since then. No, no, indeed. <laughs> no. So um, what would you say then are standout books to you then about the Beatles? I think um, the Hunter Davies book is still... Uh, and you know a book that should be on every Beatle lover's shelf um obviously it's it's got its faults and it's quite kind of sanitized in some ways and I don't think the Beatles particularly liked it but it's still the only official uh you know biography ever I think there's some worth in that um and yeah I think it captures them you know as they were kind of happening which I think is really kind of exciting I think that comes across in the book uh, um Revolution in the Head, yeah, that's that's an essential one. It's got it. It's got a little bit. Um, I think recently some of the opinion of it started to kind of go down a bit. People get a bit upset about, you know, the author's opinion on certain songs. But it is just that it's an opinion. You're not always going to agree with it. Um, it it's one of the first books that kind of casts Paul in a, a positive light, which you didn't get a lot through the eighties and early nineties. Um, obviously, yeah, the, the Mark Lewison books, you know. They go without saying that they're they're wonderful. Um, hopefully, volume two of Tune In will appear in a, a couple of years. We'll we'll have to wait and see. Um, I think I really like uh, from the kind of in you know the, the, all those kind of insiders books that have come out. Uh, the Tony Bramwell book is it is really interesting. Uh, he I think that's a really good one. Uh, you have got the the Jeff Emmerich book. Uh, that's that's another even though that's been uh, again that, that's one that's looked back on with a little bit of disdain as it some of the, the views in that a little bit about George but I still think it's a really cracking read um, yeah that I could go on Marv I could be here all night talking about how great you know how great how great they are absolutely so what would you say is your favourite Beatles album then my favourite Beatles album is Hard Day's Night yep uh, because I'm, I'm, number one, actually, I, I just love the film. The yeah. film was—I still think, you know, through through this year where we've had so much 
for different reasons, you know, trouble and strife and stuff. Hard Day's Night is a wonderful escape for anyone. You know, there's it, just so much joy and happiness in in that film. Uh, it, it, you know, it's it's wonderful. And I think the album is a really great reflection of that. You know, Hard Day's Night is just to make music to make you feel happy. Uh, and I think there's not enough of that around anymore. That became quite unfashionable quite quickly through the 60s. Um, and it's, you know, it's just completely, you know, it's just so, full of so much energy and youth, isn't it? You know, yeah. they're, they're young, they've got their whole career ahead of them. They're, they're just on the buzz of conquering America. Um, yeah, you know, that, that, that opening chord of Hard Day's Night is still the kind of most exciting thing going. Um, but I think a close second would be um, Rubber Soul. Yeah. Um, I think that's that's where the the kind of innovation starts to kick in. And uh, But you've still got that strong songwriting and energy, which I think some of the later albums, you know, I think now, um, I think I, I kind of listen to what album and Abbey Road and even Sergeant Pepper less than I listened to those early ones. Maybe that'll change as I get older or, or what, you know, when I was in my twenties, I loved the later ones more. And now that I'm, I'm in my thirties, I think I seem to go back to the earlier ones more, but that's part of the fun, isn't it? You know, there's, there's a Beatles album for every kind of mood. Yeah, I think that, I think that, I mean, I've not thought about it before, but you know, talking to you, it's made me think even as, you know, I've I've listened to the Beatles since I, since since I was born, mm. um, but what you've just said basically it's almost like with a hard day's night they've still got the energy from when they first started that is still there and you can yeah. see that in there, but that's mixed with the fact that they're already moving with their music and they're already looking into different areas even in a hard day's night, but they've yeah. got that energy there that's mixed with that experimentalism and that um that exploring that they're doing of, yeah. of of the musical world yeah yeah that that's just like you say they they've just started you know the first two albums really please please me and with the beatles they're just kind of collections of, of songs with hard day's night there's a little bit of a sense that they know that this is kind of going somewhere, you know, the, the, you know, the, and it, I mean, it's quite a John heavy album, aren't there? It's not, I, I tend to kind of go with Paul as my favorite Beatle. Uh, but if you look at Paul's contributions to Hard Day's Night, you know, you've got Can't Buy Me Love. Um, and I love uh, Things We Said Today, you know, all great, great songs, but John really is the dominant, you know, figure in that. Um, I think he was, uh, you know, he was super focused at that point. Uh, which obviously I, I don't think he was quite as focused toward the Beatles as, as their career goes on. Uh, but yeah, you're right. They're just starting to kind of see the the door was slightly ajar, isn't it? Of all the, the kind of fun and games that were to come, but they still got that a little bit of that kind of Hamburg cavern club energy, which I think is still the, you know, that's the most exciting thing going really. It is. I think I remember hearing a quote from John before about hard days night where he said that, if Paul had written Yesterday Sooner, which is on the Hard Day's Night album, I think John said that he would have actually have pushed for that being in the film if Paul had have written it on the lead up to the film or while the film was being done. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know, it's it's great. Hard Day's Night for me is the is the peak for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm just mentioning yesterday as well, because apparently one one trivia fact is that Go on. Um I know that it was one of John's favourites of Paul's, but 
I definitely know that it's Yoko Ono's favourite of Paul's because I sent her a question on uh, Twitter at one point. You know how sometimes people do this, um, contact me. Uh, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, send you a, I'll send you an answer. And right. I, sent, I sent her a message and said to her, I said, um, I said something along the lines of, um, I know this might seem a bit of a strange question, but what's your favourite song by Paul? And uh, And she said something like, Oh, it has to be yesterday, no question about it. Oh, wow, so you, you got a reply from Yoko then, did you? So, so I got a reply from Yoko on, on Twitter, which was which was brilliant. Yeah. I bet it was, yeah, that's, that's great. It is. So you've said that your favourite Beatle then is Paul. Is that solo yes. career as well? Or Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, th- I think his solo career is far... Obviously, you know, John, we don't know what he would have done. Um, but, yeah, I mean, his solo career... His solo career, actually, in the last kind of five or six years... I've listened to as much as the Beatles, you know, there's, uh, and actually listen to the podcast, listen to, you know, things like Two Legs and Pull or Nothing. And, you know, they've inspired me to go deep and listen to, you know, things like Back to the Egg or Press to Play, albums that aren't particularly well remembered, but actually there's some fantastic songs on all those albums. So I think, yeah, Paul, solo Paul for me is, is the best of the solo Beatles. Okay, so what's your knowledge like of the other of the other Beatles music? You know, John's, Ringo's, and George's. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty solid on on those. I think um, uh, you know, with John's, I think John was the first solo Beatle that I got into on the back of the Beatles because it was kind of like, you know, we know the perception of John was obviously very positive through the eighties and the nineties after we'd been killed. So I think you were kind of told in the books and on magazines, whatever. Oh well, you know, John was the the kind of guy so i went and explored a lot of his solo music um and it's only really later on the back of how much i like flaming pie um when i kind of got into paul's music and that that's that kind of went on from there so so yeah i'm i'm pretty familiar with all of it okay so here we go then um the million dollar question name your favorite album by each one of the four solo Uh, careers okay I think the best Paul album, everyone says Ram, don't they? Ram's the kind of really fashionable one to say. And Ram is is fantastic. Um, I think, I mean, I do I do love Band on the Run. I think Band on the Run still um, is just wonderful. Um, and I think, yeah, Band on the Run, I think he's the best album that he that he did um for for, for john i would say um imagine yep. uh, a lot of people like the first album plastic Ono band uh for me just for my own personal listening pleasure i'm not in intru- i don't get as much from that because it's incredibly personal it's quite harrowing you know some people quite like that my own personality i'm, I'm quite a bright and breezy kind of chap uh so i I'm not really interested in that. And there's not a huge amount going on musically in the sense that it's just those, it's just, you know, him, Ringo and Klaus, yeah. um, which for some people, that's why they love it. And I completely understand that. Um, uh, but yeah, imagine for John, although Walls and Bridges is excellent as well and doesn't always get, doesn't always get mentioned. Uh, for George, living in the material world is fantastic. Um, all Things Must Pass is good, but I think a bit overblown quite badly produced um uh, i think but i understand why people like it i love even though it, again not really fashionable i love cloud nine uh so do I. It, it, it sounds so 80s now it sounds quite dated in some respects but 
Um, I think the songs are great. He's having a good, I think he's having a good time. I think some of those late seventies, uh, early eighties, George albums, you know, like gone tropo and somewhere in England, he's, he doesn't sound like he's having a, a lot of fun. Uh, he sounds like he's doing it because he feels like he has to. And obviously then he has to break and does things with uh, handmade films. Uh, and then, by the time he's he's got a bit of energy for Cloud Nine, which I think really comes across. Um, and Ringo is, I mean, probably the the first proper album, which is just called Ringo from '73, is the best album. But I've got a lot of time. I don't know if you found this album or if you even know this album. Um, time takes time. Yeah, uh, from '92, which yep. uh, is I think that's really good. There's a couple of songs on there that are co-written by. Some of these guys from this band called Jellyfish. I don't know if you know that band. They, um, I know Jellyfish. Yeah, yeah, which are great. I love that. I love Jellyfish. And you can um, wait at the world, which is the first single. I think that's fantastic. I think that's absolutely excellent. That song. Um, and there's some really good songs on that. And I would listen to that more than I'd listen to Ringo, as in the Ringo album. Um, uh, and then the album that came after that, Good Night Vienna. That that's quite strong as well. Um, but. Uh, yeah, but I think do you know what? For almost for all four of them, there's always something of interest on um, on every album. Ringo's done this thing recently where he's released so many albums. Are you do you keep up to date with all Ringo's albums from the last like ten years? Uh, n- no, not 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 incredibly. No. Okay. No. Okay. When no. did you stop with Ringo? Did you stop with that one in night with um Time Takes Time? Uh, if I'm being honest, yes. Although I do have, oh, I can't remember. I have some other stuff since okay. then as well, but I can't remember There's what a lot. got after that. Yes, there is a There's lot. There's a lot. The one that came out in 98, um, Vertical Man, that's uh, that's okay. I remember I that. that one. Yeah, yeah that, that's that's pretty good. Um, but then after that, he does. he just doesn't stop. Uh, and there's not, it, I think there's a lot of quantity rather than quality. Um but uh, yeah, definitely. Time takes time. To anyone that hasn't heard it, it's definitely worth worth a listen. There's about four or five really, really good songs on there. That seriously needs a, a reissue. That does because that is a really good album. I don't know if that's yeah. I don't even know if it's available on CD or vinyl. No, I think it's not. It's is it? Of, no, it's out of print. Yeah, right. Terrible. Okay, okay. That should be out. I, I don't know if. I think some of those late seventies ones and early eighties ones are out of print of his as well. I'm surprised they've not kind of someone would buy i mean i would buy them you know um i'm surprised that they aren't out there i don't think you can get um i don't even think they're on streaming services some of them because i had a look i was listening to a, another podcast and they were talking about um rota gravure from 76 and that's not on apple music i don't know about spotify because i don't have spotify um but yeah there's there's definitely there's room out there for some ringo um reissues definitely yeah, I know about Rota Gravure because I was looking for, um, I was looking for it online because I have a, there's a few songs on there that I really like on that album, mm. um, like um, you know even the even the McCartney written one, Pure Gold, I quite I quite like that one. Yeah, yeah, um, me too. Um, and uh, Cooking as well. Um, yeah, I, I quite like that one, the John Lennon one, and yeah, yeah, Snookeroo. Snookaroo's good, yeah, yes, yeah, good, yeah. The, the yeah, Elton, they, Elton's Elton. on one, yeah. Um, the Eric Clapton one is that this be called a song? That's the one, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but no, you can't find it. But that puts me at odds with a few of the uh, presenters of some of the Beatles-related podcasts, actually, because they even they talk down about uh, Rotogravure, but everybody's different. Definitely, 
definitely. Definitely. So let's go back to your show then. Okay. Is it all about just talking to the authors of Beatles books? Yes, essentially that. Yeah, that's what I'm I'm kind of looking to do. Obviously, um, I'm, I've got a couple of shows lined up, um, which will probably be out by the time this this comes out. Um, where if if an author is if it's a really well known book, um, and an author is either passed away or, or not available to talk, I might find uh, a, another kind of writer and speak to them about it. But in the main, yeah, it, I'll I'll find um, I'll, I'll reach out obviously to an author and and just try and get to understand why they've decided to to add to this library of which there's so many books already you know it's not like there's it's a book about something that no one knows about um it, it, i think it's quite an interesting kind of thought that these people would dedicate you know many years of their lives in some cases to to writing about the beatles um so yeah that my focus is on on the authors and just to give the authors a chance to speak about the books basically so how do you get hold of these authors then? A, a combination of ways, really. Um, I, like I said, I'm lucky enough to have uh, some kind of relationships with the, with the publishers through the Instagram page. Um, so oftentimes they'll put me in touch with an author because obviously if it's a new book, especially, um, there is a promotional aspect. You know, this is especially at the moment where bookshops aren't, are always open and certainly things like book launches aren't happening. Uh, so my show is a way for the, an author to promote, you know, I've got the Instagram page has got, you know, 4,000 followers. So there's quite a few people. That's the kind of captive audience of people that are interested in the Beatles and books. So the, so sometimes the publisher will put me in touch, but often as you know, as I know Tom and Andy said on your show about two legs, it's just a case of a, an email or a Facebook message. Yeah. Um, it, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's a kind of an agent, uh, that works for quite a few Beatles authors. I made contact with her and, and she kind of has put me in touch with, with some of them. Um, and it's good. Some of the authors after I've done the interviews, I've, I've carried on emailing and kind of chatting to, um, not all of them, obviously, but sometimes it's nice to get, um, you know, a little kind of friendship even going. And obviously that bodes well for if, if their next book is about the Beatles, then they would, you know, I'd be a better place to maybe speak to them again. So are there any actual standout shows that you've done so far that you've thought, wow? Yeah, there's there's been a few. Um, I think I've got a lot of highlights, really. I think the, the show that I did with Ken Womack, which was the first uh, episode that I released, um, was one of my favourites. That was when I had, obviously, I, that was, I didn't have any kind of form then at all. And Ken was really kind to come on and talk to me about his John Lennon in 1980 book. Um that was great. I had a good chat with Kim McNabb. Um, his book about 1969 was uh, was kind of really gripping, and that was really good to um, talk with him. Um, uh, yeah, it's just uh, I think almost all of them I've had a, a good a good time with. You know, um, the the interview I did with Graham Thompson about his George Harrison book that was really excellent. Um, really good insight into George kind of solo years and anthology and stuff, which was, was really good. So yeah. Um, and I've recorded quite a few, uh, I'm going to be recording quite a few more of the next kind of few weeks. So hopefully they'll be just as good. That's great. Now the next one is almost redundant really, you know, about asking how you do the research. Cause obviously you read the books and contact the people involved. Yeah. 
so what I do is, is um, obviously I'll make sure that I've read the book. <laughs> um, uh, I'll then do, um, yeah, I'll, I'll sit down and write about maybe 10 questions. I like to keep to an hour to an hour and a half. I'm not one of these people that will have the kind of two, two and a half, three hour podcasts. Um, that's not what I'm about. You know, I understand the appeal of those and to go deep. And I do like to get in good detail with people. Um, but yeah, I, I like to keep it to an hour and a half. So I'll keep those questions to be, you know, insightful rather than just, you know, many. Um, uh, and send that over to them about a week or so before uh, and see what they think. And then if they like it, then they'll say yes. If they don't like it or no, I don't want to answer that, etc., which doesn't happen that often, um, then obviously I'll, I'll change the questions. Okay. So do you have a actual set structure that you follow of questions and the way that the uh, show goes? Not not really. The, the, I always start, the, the standard first question is, as I was saying earlier, what inspired you to, to kind of put your a lot of time and effort into doing this because there are so many out there already. Um, and then I'll, yeah, I'll, I tend to just kind of go through, if it's a chronological story to start at the beginning and end at the end and then see where the, um, see where the kind of questions take me. Um, but I, I, obviously I like to cover, you can't cover everything in a book, especially if, it, if it's a big book. So I, I just read, you know, sometimes I'll do an interview about a book that isn't solely about the Beatles. So, for instance, I spoke to an author called Oliver Krask, who's written a book about Ravi Shankar, yeah. um, who obviously wasn't in the Beatles, but had a, a, lot, a lifelong friendship with George um, and obviously, uh, you know, knew the other Beatles and influenced the Beatles music, etc. Um, so that interview, there's, you know, it's a massive book. I don't know, I, I don't know if you've seen it. It's called Indian Sun. Um, and Ravi lived a very long life and a very full life. Therefore, the book is very long. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I um, obviously I just focused on that kind of 60s period and uh, Ravi and George. Uh, so, yeah, I'll. It, it, however, if it's a book that's just about that is just about either one of the Beatles or the Beatles themselves, um, then I'll try and cover all the kind of the the most interesting parts of the book for me. Yeah, that's good because, like you said, you've you've gone through the book, so there's certain bits in the books that have um, that you've felt attached to, and they're the questions that you'll base it on, which yeah. shows then to the author that you've actually put the time in to read it. So that makes you more, uh, or makes the author happier to talk yeah. to you because you've actually done that. When I um, whenever I approach them, I'll always try and mention in the initial message or email something about the book that I that I like. You know, I I probably wouldn't do an interview with an author that wrote a book that I didn't like, um, even if I didn't love it. Um, uh, if there was something of worth in the book, because you know, I, I think it, that would probably come across in the interview. I, I did have an opportunity to interview an author, obviously I won't say who, um, that has written a book r- relatively recently that I didn't have any time for, and I didn't pursue that opportunity um, because it, it it wouldn't be, you know, fair on them. There were many people that probably do like that book uh, that you know that do interviews, <clears throat> so I, I'll leave it to them to speak to them yeah the, the only book i've got about ravi out of interest would be his uh, autobiography ragamala yes so this oliver krask he worked on that book um okay. he he wrote that with ravi that was like late 90s wasn't it i think um uh, and then obviously kept up a friendship with ravi 
right the way through until he died, which is only like 2012. It was, I think he, it was not that long ago, really. Um, and then decided after some years, uh, he had a good relationship with Ravi's uh, daughters and family, uh, decided to, to, to write the book. Um, so, I mean, if, if you've got that, you would definitely get a lot from this book. I, I would recommend you having, having a little look at that, Marv. Wow, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a look for that. Indian Sun, yeah. Yep. If this episode was going out before Christmas, I'd say, there you go, somebody buy me that for Christmas. <laughs> but it won't be, so. But it won't be. So <laughs> that's a shame. So um, the music that you have for your show, how did you get hold of that? Not a very exciting story, unfortunately. I just um, looked on. Obviously, there are websites where you can get free music for things like podcasts. Um, I wanted to have a lot of people that do um, Beatles podcasts. They'll get people that they know to, you know, write a little bit of music that sounds quite Beatlesque, and that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, for me personally, obviously, I, I'm not a musician. I don't really know many musicians. I wanted just a nice, uh, relaxing, kind of calm because I'm not. I'm not a shouter. I'm not, you know, Howard Stern. I'm not that kind of area. My podcast is just what I like to think of as an intelligent kind of you know laid back chat so i wanted just a nice piece of music um that would kind of get that mood going i think it's important to have music i do think that's a good way in um i only do it's about 15 seconds um uh, on the first show i the came one show I, I first did it i had 30 seconds and i felt like that was a little bit long so i just cut it down 15 seconds just to get people into that little that little mood um of of chat uh, uh and the piece of music randomly is called is called paul's tears okay uh, so I, I thought i've got to have it i just I, I i spent about not that long about an hour probably going few going through a few bits of music on on these websites that was just just the best one um and when it was called paul's tears uh i thought i've got to have it yeah mine i um i spent hours and hours trawling through because my music both at front and end they're me okay and, uh, i i did that and uh, right. so in, initially leading up to the getting the show ready, I thought, oh, I've, I've got to knuckle down and come up with some music, you know, something new mm. for the show. So I got out like the acoustic guitar and the acoustic bass and whatever. I thought, oh, I'll do something nice and acoustic to the sound of the... No, didn't, didn't like the sound of that when I tried to edit that into one of the shows. Right. No, I don't like that. And then I tried something else. That didn't work either. A bit synthy, almost going McCartney 2-esque. Right. But I thought, no, that doesn't work either. And kept trying. I think I tried three or four bits, didn't work. And then I thought, oh, I'll trawl through what I've done already because of my own music. Because I've, I've done lots of music, right. and uh, ended up actually picking two bits from years and years ago. Right. I thought, well, th- they work, and so yeah. You just kind of know, don't you? I, I played it on the first, obviously the first episode that I did when I started to edit together, and it was just a nice little little kind of acoustic. Uh, slide guitar piece of music and it yeah. just sets the tone quite nicely i think i think you need a nice uh, introduction or even if it's only like that you need something because it, in a way i find it strange when you start a podcast and they're suddenly talking and you know, yeah and you're like there's no introduction to the show or anything you're just in the conversation and they're, they're weird strange Podcast. Yeah, you feel a bit like you you're like eavesdropping on someone. You need a little bit of an intro, even if they just start with "Hello, welcome to the whatever show." You just need yeah. that little bit of um, it's a little bit. It's part of your kind of identity. It's a podcast too, isn't it? 
It is. I mean, you know, I mean, we, I mean, we're British, so, so so we would understand this, and I'm so sure other Brits would. You know, it's a bit like if you put Radio Two on, you'll always expect um, in the afternoon at two o'clock, um, Steve, right in the afternoon, you'd, yeah, have, you'd exactly. have the tune. So even on the radio, they've got an introductory tune, yeah. and it's just it's just natural that you'd have that sort of thing, really. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's or, or, you know, great TV themes, whatever. From you know, you know straight away. Whenever you hear bits of music, that's where you're going to go. I'm going to be, I'm going to be in, you know, um, whatever, you know, Albert Square for the next half an hour. So that and that that all fits with that. So yeah, or there'll be a black fan with a with a red stripe across it, or <laughs> or or a black transam with a with a red light that goes across. Exactly. Exactly. Around. <laughs> okay so how do you actually record your show and then edit it well again not not too scientific so um uh zoom i think is the by far the best i think it's so simple um i'm, I'm quite lucky I, i've got a nice space that i can record in um i've just got um a, a quite a basic mic which i probably will look to upgrade the mic going forward um uh, i do the zoom uh chat with with the author and then I will go away and write a little intro, which I will obviously will call separately and edit on. I don't like to do the intro when the author's there listening. I found that a little, I did that once. I found that a bit nerve wracking and also it's, it's a bit of a waste of their time. You know, I'm a big believer that um, time is what they're giving up because they're not really, they're not going anywhere. They're not, I'm not asking them to meet me in the pub or anything that they're all at home. Um, but that their time, you know, they've got families and other stuff to think about. So the time is what is the gift that they're giving me. So if I can save on a few minutes of that, of me jabbering away, then I, I will do. Um, and then, yeah, I just use audacity to edit. Um, I'm a little bit, uh, editing is where I spend quite a lot of time. I'll just edit out, um, yeah, ums and ahs, which I do quite a lot of, and what sometimes if the author will take uh, a little bit of time to answer, I, I try and make it the smoothest listening experience possible for the listener. Um, they're not, you know, going to be interested in people umming and ahhing and coughing and spluttering or whatever. So yeah, I'll, I'll spend a little bit of time uh, doing that, and then yeah, at the end I'll edit that together with that little bit of music that we were just talking about, um, and then Bob's your uncle. There's your podcast. Brilliant. Yeah, when I do my editing, I I edit out a lot of ums, ahs and ers and <laughs> that, but some of them I do leave in because it just feels natural sometimes in a conversation yeah. people will do that, but it's strange because you don't think about it until you do a podcast and then the first time that you listen to yourself on a podcast or you listen to it, when you're editing it, you think... God, do I really um and ah and uh as much as that? It's it's it actually makes you kind of talking about radio. Actually, it makes you appreciate how great any DJ is for event that can do a show for any length of time. You know, you, if you listen to uh, Radio Two, or whatever, you don't get Ken Bruce umming and ahhing, obviously because they've been doing it for years. You know, but it it's testament to that skill that they can talk unaccompanied and smoothly for hours on end sometimes to obviously millions of listeners. So, um, yeah, props to Ken Bruce and, and the like. Absolutely. <laughs> you know what question I've not asked you, Joe, is what other music are you into? Uh, I'm a firm pop kind of fan, Marv. I, I go for uh, classic pop, things like ABBA and uh, Prince, um, Bee Gees. Um, I love all that. I love a lot of them modern pop people like taylor swift 
Um, I, I, I love her. I love her last album. It's really good. Uh, I, I kind of came of age in the Britpop era, so I do go for some of those Britpop bands like uh, Suede and Blur and Supergrass, etc. Um, Oasis, obviously. Uh, but I think as I've got older, I've I've got into pop more. Really, I, I'd rather listen to like Madonna um, than some indie band from you know the middle of nowhere, or whatever. I, I'm I'm yeah, you know, I'm a firm pop uh, kind of guy. But I do like um, what else do I like? It's a, it's a good question. I, I like elements of like some hip hop, some UK hip hop, some chilled out stuff. Not the you know bitches and hoes type stuff, obviously. Um, <laughs> But I, uh, I like um, yeah, other 60s stuff, Kinks, Who, Stones. Uh, I love a lot of Motown uh, girl groups, you know, Renettes and uh, Shangri-Las and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, Scott Walker, I'm a big Scott Walker. Uh, not the kind of experimental Scott Walker so much, that kind of 80s and 90s, but those, the albums that he made for Phillips after he broke with the Walker Brothers, Scott 1 to 4. Um, yeah, I, I love those albums um uh so yeah that that's that's just a, a little taste of the kind of stuff that i listen to outside of the beatles but i'll always go back to the beatles in the end yeah i've not heard the most recent taylor swift album but oh it's great that's, that's an interesting one because much like you know someone that we're fans of paul mccartney it is apparently a product that's basically been created because of the situation that we find ourselves in with yes. the lockdown for COVID-19. Yes. Yeah. It's all, obviously there's other people that she can work with remotely, but it's quite an acoustic kind of sounding album. Um, yeah. It's called Folklore. I definitely yeah. recommend it. It's a really nice listen. So does it harken back to when she first started as an artist then, because it's got that like acoustic feel to it? Yeah. It's not quite as kind of country as those first few albums that she did. There's elements of country in it. There's more elements of country in this album than in the last two or three that have been much more pop sounding, as you know. Um, but no, I really like it. It's got kind of a, um, yeah, like an acoustic singer songwritery type feel to it, which I think, uh, yeah, it's lovely. It's got some really, really strong songs on. Okay. We're going to date this, uh, this podcast now. So when you're listening to it, it's a long time after it's recorded. We are talking before, Paul McCartney's McCartney three album comes out. So what do you think about the lead up to McCartney three? Yeah, I think it's been quite uh, heavily promoted already. I'm not sure about all these different versions um, that have come out or that will be coming out rather. Um, I think that that doesn't look great. I think that's all a little bit silly if I'm honest with you. Um, But in 10, 15 years time, that won't be remembered what will be remembered is what's the what is on the album, what the music is like. So I, I don't worry about that too much. No. Um, but yeah, it, um, I, I'm, I think it's a really interesting. It's very Paul to do an album in in lockdown. Um, you know, he's, he's got nothing. He's, he can't tour, so what's left he can just record. So um, yeah, I think it's uh, it. You know, it, it's it's and also it's a nice trilogy, isn't it? We've had one and two obviously there's been 40 years between two and this one um uh, but no it's a nice way to round off that particular trilogy i think although other than little bits by youth basically electric arguments was mccartney three yeah that's true that is true but um as you say because youth is involved you can't quite call it a solo 
effort but um but that's a great i was just uh, only recently that's a great album that's yeah. um uh, that that's a, that's a, an interesting like you say and that was when was that 2008 so that was roughly kind of on the the 10 year cycle but not quite not quite yeah um <laughs> uh, but i i don't think after reading a few of the reviews i don't think we've got anything to worry about about the content either no i think it'll just... be because i wasn't i'm not a massive fan of egypt station no i i didn't connect with that at all that's probably one of my least favorite of anything he's ever done actually um uh i, I thought new was was good not great uh but i love chaos and creation and i love memory almost full so do um, i i think they're both wonderful wonderful um but yeah uh, egypt station not not so much um but yeah i think this yeah this you know he, he's He's back to basics, which I think he's. I think that's sometimes where he operates best is when he's just. You can just you know go with the flow, like McCartney one and McCartney two, which obviously have got their own uh, back to basics kind of sound. Yeah, I think the other thing that I'm looking forward to with McCartney three, from what I gather from uh, you know Ken's review and a yeah. couple of other reviews I've read, is the fact that, like you said, it's just him on his own at home, and it's like he's just putting out the songs. Like with McCartney one and two, there was no intention behind them allegedly. No. Yeah, it was just for him. So, and normally when when he does things like that, there are intriguing little bits about it, and it's not sweated over as much. Almost like latter end Beatles, where like on the White Album, you'll have songs where he'll just do them, and there's no real sweating over the songs that's gone on and it makes them more interesting in some ways yeah definitely definitely so yeah i'm very excited to to give it a good sit down and a good listen yeah and it'll be nice to listen to some of the bits that he's uh been recording over the um because a lot of the recording was done based on things that he'd put down on his iphone Apparently. <laughs> apparently so yeah, yeah yeah i think there's a few tracks from a few years ago that he's kind of resurrected isn't there but um i think uh yeah it's, it would just be it'd be a nice christmas listen hopefully yeah i mean i'm looking forward to the follow-up paul mccartney does garage band that'll be <laughs> who knows he's recorded on garage band who knows yeah yeah okay thank you joe so um what other podcast do you listen to well um the Beatles. I'll have to mention some of the other Beatles ones. Obviously, they. Um, I listen religiously to a lot of the Beatles podcasts. Uh, I love the um, Nothing Is Real podcast and I'm the Egg Pod. Um, uh, obviously, you've got Sam and Anthony doing their John and Paul shows, um, which uh, are great as well. Obviously, Paul or Nothing and Glass Onion. By the way, for those listening, yep. that's the one. Yeah, um, I think. I think uh, obviously. Uh, the guys that do the two legs podcast have been so supportive and so kind. Uh, and it's just a lovely warmth to that, that show. I think that's a, that's a, a wonderful, wonderful podcast. So yeah, two legs is great. Um, outside of another, you know, a, a lot of the Beatles podcasts are, are, are good. There's not, not many that um, you kind of tend to avoid. Uh, I, I like um, outside of the Beatles I've got the I, I really got the full disclosure with James O'Brien podcast, um, which is like an interview show that I, I, James O'Brien uh, does the uh, kind of daytime radio. Uh, so I, I like his um, podcast. Uh, I'm going to have a little scroll through now what I've subscribed to, so I can uh, keep up with you. Um, 
Oh, uh, I've got to give a mention to, to fans on the run with e, um, Ethan. I think that's a really um, that's a really great little show. Um, I'm a big football fan, so I'll follow um, uh, Football Weekly, the Guardian Football Weekly, and the Totally Football Show. Uh, they're my two kind of go-tos uh, for football. But there's a really good one called Ness and Dorma, which is all about nine, 80s and 90s football, uh, mm-hmm. which which is worth a listen. Louis Theroux has a really good podcast called Grounded, where Louis Theroux just speaks to uh, you know interesting people for about an hour. He's obviously a very good uh, interviewer. Um, do you know the podcast Reply All? No, I don't know that one. No. So it's like a... Um, I came across it relatively recently because of one episode. So it's basically, it's, it's American. It's these guys. It's sort of about kind of the internet and lots of different things that come from growing out of the internet. But there's one particular episode that I'll briefly tell you about now called, called The Missing Hit. Okay. Uh, and the guys that do it, they're about my kind of age, a little bit older. They're kind of late 30s, early 40s. And one of them, he knew someone that in like the late 90s, he he really remembered hearing this particular song on the radio a lot, that kind of 98, 99 kind of time. And he always really liked it. Uh, and then it kind of, kind of came back to him probably a, like, maybe last year. So about 20 years. He's like, what, what, what that song is? So of course, what do you do if you can't remember what a song's called? You go onto the internet, you type in the lyrics, Bob's your uncle, there's the song. So he okay. did this. Uh, he, had, he had quite, um, a bare naked ladies kind of sound to it. Do you remember the bare naked ladies? I do. Yeah. So it had that kind of sound to it. Uh, so he typed in the lyrics, and there was nothing there. There was literally nothing on the whole. And he was like, "This is a bit weird." Um, all he could find was a comment on a message board somewhere for like from like seven or eight years ago, where someone had asked the same question: "Does anyone remember this song?" And um, had actually managed to recall some of the lyrics. So this guy becomes slightly obsessed with trying to find out. He was like, you know, did I dream this? Was this real? I've got really vivid memories of hearing this an awful lot on his kind of local radio station in, I think it's at Arizona. I can't remember the part of America, but it's somewhere like that. Uh, so what he does is he, he gets, he speaks to the guy that does the podcast. And this guy that does the podcast arranges for a band to record this song. So this guy, you hear this guy in the room going, when it goes like this and get someone to like do the lyrics. So then he kind of hawks around this recording that he's got, uh, trying to find, he speaks to journalists, to people that ran the radio stations in that time and tries to find out whether or not this song is real or whether or not he completely dreamt it. I won't spoil it for you by telling you what the outcome is, but it's, absolutely gripping so yeah the episode is called the missing hit and the podcast is called reply all okay that that reminds me when i saw the uh completely changing conversation here or, okay. or everything but it reminds me when i watched um on netflix searching for the sugar man i think it's called oh yeah yeah i've seen that you've seen that yeah. and uh, i had no knowledge whatsoever going into that and that film was just so fantastic when oh yeah when you find out you know you know i don't want to give it away for anybody that's not not seen it but no but it is just it's just a, a great great documentary yeah beautiful really lovely film yeah. recommend it heartily recommend it so do i so what advice would you give to people starting out in podcasting then joe well as someone that's only been doing it for kind of four or five months myself um 
I think the main thing would be work out what it is you want to do and try not to deviate too much from that. Don't um, obviously, you know, look to expand and, and develop it, uh, but try and be focused on, on what you're doing um, uh, and get an idea of, of what kind of area, what kind of direction you want the show to go in. Um, don't let it, worry you too much you know it's only it's it's not life or death it's um uh it's it's only a part of your life um but work hard at it don't don't just do it half-heartedly um i I managed to get um i got one of my friends uh who happens to be a graphic designer to design the little um uh, symbol that i've got the little artwork that i've got for uh for the podcast so things like that if you're going to do it you know do, do put a little bit of time and effort into it but don't let it kind of dominate everything okay thank you very much and how can people get hold of you joe well you can follow my uh extensive collection of beatles books uh on instagram with the account at books beatles um i'm also on twitter at books beatles with the same account um so if you wanted to uh, email me or message me there's links on both of those um both those social media platforms okay as an aside when you started the instagram and all these accounts yeah why did you pick to go books beatles as opposed to beatles books because beatles books was already taken Oh right, okay. That's, that's a very easy answer. Yeah, someone someone got there first, unfortunately. But the Instagram page has been like that. I think that's really helped launching the podcast. I'm question because I had by that point I had about two thousand followers, so I, I kind of advertised it on there. So I think if I didn't have that, so um, talking about advice, um, maybe yeah, if you can get a little bit of um, uh, what's the word momentum, maybe like there's a there's a, a podcast that's on um, which by the time this comes out might be out but it's called winter of discontent pod and it's all about uh, all about the january 1969 sessions and it isn't going to be out until kind of january uh but the 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 instagram page was launched i think in like you know may july kind of time um so i think yeah i I mean i was going to ask did you find me on the podcasting or through instagram how did you kind of find me first i found you on instagram first right okay there you go it just showed up as you you might be interested in this and I looked and I thought yep I'm ab- absolutely interested in this because <laughs> I've got quite a few uh, I've, I've nowhere near as many as you right but I must I must have crikey probably 50 60 books about the Beatles if not more yeah because I've even I've even got wings books like the uh the, the back to the egg book that that ah, right. nice. the music in it and uh what yeah. else have I got I've got all sorts I think I've got the wings at the speed of sound book as well Ah, oh, nice. Okay, a lot of those are early seventies or mid seventies books are really interesting, actually. Um, yeah. Andy, that does the t- that does two legs, he he's a big fan of those because he says they kind of capture the time really well. Whereas obviously all the books that have come out, you know, after John die the dies, you've got a bit of a um uh, a kind of different aspect, a little, a little bit of different slant on stuff. But uh, uh, but yeah, no, Instagram was really helpful. And I love, it's kind of like two kind of jobs, you know, the podcast is one job and then the Instagram page is another job. Because obviously, you know, I do discussions about books on there and uh, we do, um, you know, forth, discuss forthcoming books. Um, good to have chat, chat with authors on there even. Um, so, so yeah, the Instagram was, was really helpful when launching the podcast for me. Yeah, and 
sort of carrying on with the idea of books just quickly i'll say that i really hope that one day they'll release another book of linda's photographs and i'm looking forward to private photographs are that she's taken of of the lennons in the 70s that would be really nice that'd be great that's a big holy grail isn't it um it is there's a i think there's a there's a patty boy book coming out march april time next year um uh which is similar like a photo book so hopefully there'll be uh some good books in some good photos in there maybe i'll have her on the show who knows i've got that pre-ordered hey wouldn't that be good that would be good having Patty on, yeah, I don't know. Well, the problem with doing that is um, it's a photo book, so I'd have to do a video, wouldn't I, really? Uh, it wouldn't really – uh, maybe not, I don't know. But, hey, if you don't ask, you don't get, do you? That's so true. Anyway, <laughs> Joe, thank you very much again for, for being here and talking with me. My pleasure, Marv. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you, everybody, for listening, and hope you listen again to Pods Like Us. Hi, Marv. Hey, Joe. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Not bad. Not bad. Can you hear, can you hear me okay? I can hear you fine, yeah. Yeah, loud and clear. Good yeah. stuff. I have had a couple of issues with this mic when I've recently where it's kind of cut out. So if that happens, it seems to be fixed if I log back in again. But I, I'm sure it'll be fine. But I just thought I'd, I'd warn you straight away. We'll see how we get on. Eh? We'll be fine. We'll be fine, I promise. We'll be fine, yes. Yeah. So, how have you been? You've you been busy? Or uh, nothing exciting. No, you know, staying at home, staying safe, and all that. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I've been enjoying your pods. I've been listening to a few. I listened to the Beatles related ones. They were really interesting. Cool. That's good. Well, I sort of expected that they'd be the ones that a few of my friends would go towards. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> have you enjoyed it so far? Doing it. Yeah, it's got it's got better. But oh, really? Oh, did you, yeah. What 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 at first was it that you was it that you found like you was it not what you thought it'd be or um, just just nerves and trying to get used to it and trying right. to make it flow? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, the, well, the ones that I heard were great. So you you've got now to worry about. I promise. That's good to know, and it's good <laughs> to be able to speak to somebody who's actually a Brit. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's actually thinking about, I'm sure we'll talk about this, but the, in the Beatles podcast well, I think there's probably more American than there is UK, maybe. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I've noticed that, yeah. Yes. Although, although it was good to have a talk with Anthony. Yes, yeah. He's an interesting guy. <laughs> yeah, yes, and uh, so is uh, Sam as well. Yeah. Sam's a bit a bit more wild and uh, he's, he's young, isn't he? He's young and foolish. That, that's that's true, but that makes his show all the more interesting. I think. Definitely, definitely, because that youth shines through in the in the show and how he approaches it. Yeah, definitely, I agree. Yeah. I remember once, like we couldn't, me and someone else were trying to set the alarm at the end of the day, and it just wouldn't set. And obviously, we couldn't leave the site until it was set. Yeah. Um, so we had to, um, and 
the guy that like we phoned up we was, was like at his brother's wedding or something it was it was some random excuse like that so you had to get someone else it was just yeah so we were there for about two hours but we had you know we just played some music and chilled out but luckily we didn't have to be anywhere i think the longest we've had was yeah. um because i'd done a day shift which was a rarity i've not done days for a long time okay. and um and I was handing over to somebody, and as I was doing the handover, a phone call came through, and I thought, "Fool! At least I've not got to go and do this one." Right. And, uh, so I sent him there, and this was at five o'clock, and he was waiting for an alarm engineer, and left the site at half past two in the morning. Wow! How <laughs> about he was pleased? <laughs> and that was nine and a half hours at, uh, at, you know, and obviously we charge for our people waiting as well. So there, yeah, there you go. yeah. That client will not have liked that. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> Nine and a half hours. Of hours yeah. Yeah. That's a long time. That's a whole day, basically. That's a whole working. It's more than a working day, you know. Well, he still had two and a half hours left to do his fifty jobs so. that he had on his on his on his list. I suppose so. I suppose so. Blimey. Anyway. <clears throat> so anyway. Um... Right, suppose we'll we'll get to it then. I suppose sounds good. I'm ready when you are, Mav. Okay. Okay, Joe. All How good. do you think that was? That was great. That was fantastic. Yeah, that was that was really nice. Yeah, I can get bits together and uh, yeah, and uh, I, I don't know whether to use that bit as an outtake or not. <clears throat> what the advertising? What the made advertising. you say advertising? I don't know. I really <laughs> don't know. <laughs> Very strange. Well, there's there's a smile for a, a Wednesday after, uh, evening, isn't it? There is. That's true. That is true. Okay, cool. Let me know when it when it's going to go out, start of next year, or whatever. And I'll, obviously, I'll I'll shout about it on Instagram and on on Twitter. Yep, I've just written on my note thing to make sure that it doesn't go out until after January, so that uh, you know, so that it goes out after that episode. All right, uh, perfect. On about. Yeah, that's great. Cool. Okay. Um, cool. Thanks, Marv. That's fine. No problem. I don't Happy? know what. Yeah, I'm I'm happy with that. I think, yeah, that's, that's good. good. That's good. Yeah, I will keep listening. Don't worry. Yes. Have you yep. have you listened to all of mine yet, or are you still catching up on mine? I'm still catching up with yours and quite a few other people's. I think I've listened to have I listened to three or four episodes of yours, including you, the one with Ken. Yeah, you said that you did. I saw on Instagram you did the Paul Denoyer one. Um, yep. The other that, that that's that's the fourth one. So there's seven. So you got three more to kind of catch up on that's it well i've not got that many to catch up on then not not like not like sam's no and also sam's are about two hours three hours aren't they so they're a bit more of a a bit more of a commitment yeah i'm behind on ethan's show as well and there's a lot of those as well blimey ethan is quite a workhorse with podcasting yeah i know i I don't know maybe it's because he's young he's got all the energy still isn't he so that's it yeah it'll go eventually (laughs) it will definitely (laughs) Anyway, thanks, Marv. It's been really nice chatting to you. Okay, Joe. Thanks a lot. You take care. And you, mate. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. So what advice would you give to people starting out in advertising then, Joe? In advertising? Oh, advertising. (laughs) 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 